our illiberal attitudes are costing society a great deal and it could get to the point where it can't be you know reversed hayek was clear the spontaneous order which builds up this um, great uh, society it's not easily you know you know produced but it's easily torn down so it's asymmetrical everything that's been built can be torn down a lot quicker so and when it's and when it's get torn down you don't get an easy um, do over you very quickly on this episode of Liberty Curious, I sat down with Barry Brownstein, Professor Emeritus of Leadership and Economics, writer for AIER and the substack called Mindset Shifts. We discussed tribalism and how it relates to historical and modern political ideologies, the war between Russia and Ukraine, and totalitarian systems. Barry explains how tribalism is incompatible with liberty and how we can move away from tribalism and towards freedom. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure that you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to check out our new AIER channel here. But usually I don't really have to take out too much, especially yeah. when I'm speaking with you. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's really rare. Usually it's me that I have to censor. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you never know. You may get me going and I may say some things I shouldn't be saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, watch out for the fact checkers. You know, they may be coming for us. Yeah. But I think I think we can we can keep things, you know, well within the bounds. But that's what you need to do now, right? Is if you're going yeah. to post something on YouTube, yeah. you yeah. need to make sure that you stay away from certain yeah, words, gotta, which just shows you Yeah. you yeah. know, where we're at in this um, in this era where yeah. everything is, is censored and subject mm -hmm. to being taken down mm -hmm. by big tech, who are, mm -hmm. I guess, colluding with big government, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's been shown they are. So So if you're ready, I will just uh, pretend that we weren't talking, or not okay. pretend, but just I'll say, hey, yeah. welcome to the show kind of thing, okay? Yeah, are you yeah, ready? Absolutely. <laughs> So, Barry Brownstein, it's so great to be here with you today. Thank you for joining me on Liberty Curious. Yeah, so good to be here again. It's always a joy. Thank you. Yes, likewise. I always come back from our conversations with a lot to think about, and I think that our guests uh, feel the same way. So I'm excited to, to discuss all kinds of things with you. Um, and today we wanted to focus on tribalism. Because this is what we're seeing, and this is something that you write extensively about. Uh, you're very good at reading all of the difficult books about historical events that are just horrific, that nobody else wants to read, yeah. and then yeah. summarizing those points and putting them into context with uh, real-world problems. And one of those problems that you identify is tribalism. Yeah. So can you explain what that, what that is to you? Yeah, well, you know, uh, first off, I go through all these horrible periods in history because they can't be overlooked. You, in order to get, you see, in order to get through that, you know, darkness, you first have to understand it. So you can't act like it isn't there. Um, so it's important to see all that. 
And all of them, all these past incidents have at their core um, tribalism. That is the inability for us to see other groups as equal for ourselves. You know, they, each person has inherent rights. And when we see through uh, tribal eyes, we see other people as the other, as get different, as objects. Only my group, only my uh, tribal group has full rights. The other group, no, they don't. So as soon as you get beyond that, almost all the horrors of history um, vanish. So that's why it's such an important topic. And the whole history of our country was founded on the idea of a country founded around an idea as opposed to a tribe. Right. All other countries right. were founded around the tribe. Our country was founded around the idea of an idea that is a liberty. Yeah. Right. So we have no country if people go back to what tribalism in this country. Then we're the same as every other country seeing through what tribal eyes. And there could be yeah. uh, um, no um, liberty. The founding fathers were absolutely clear. A country that had no virtue, that is citizens, I should say, who were not virtuous, um, could never be free. And um, at the core of virtue has to be to see others through the eyes that they are equal, that they are the same as you with equal rights. That has to be the foundation of any system of you know, virtue. So um, it's a very important issue for us to consider today. Yeah. Um, you know, you said two things that were really important there. One is seeing people as uh, as not as other objects, mm -hmm. you know, not objectifying people. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. And uh, the other thing is, as you said, uh, this idea of liberty not being based on, uh, you know, or the foundation of the United States being based on liberty, on that mm -hmm. idea, and not mm -hmm. being based on the tribe. Mm -hmm. um, but now this is where the U.S. is going. It is becoming more tribal. You can see it on the left. You could see it on the political right as well. Um, and this is what happened in history, right? If you yeah. look back to... Yeah. Uh, the Nazi era and the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. they were these combating mm -hmm. right or left mm -hmm. totalitarian regimes, mm -hmm. but they kind of represented the same thing. Mm -hmm. Every single, Have you discovered that in your reading? Yeah. Yeah, yeah every single case has as its core of the tribe. Um, you know, former Soviet Union, so many tribes and... <clears throat> You know, so many things were being evaluated, even in the army back then, as I studied the army, uh, um, you know, uh, in the battle against Hitler, uh, they would evaluate officers on the basis of their ethnic tribe. So even back then, where they were fighting for survival, every uh, military um, had a... Uh, commissar, who was there to see that it was correct um, politically, not correct tactically, but uh, politically. 
And part of what was, you know, correct, you know, politically was, was there a balance in officers? You know, you didn't have an excess amount of Jews or Kalmyks or other tribes because mm. that was a no-no, even though they were fighting for their, you know, so that's how insidious um, tribal you know, politics can be. You're on the verge yeah. of being, you know, destroyed as a country, and you're still holding on to the tribe. So it, and to it, the it, identity politics. Yeah, the identity That's politics what that, like. that yeah. we're now seeing now. It's horrific. Um, and it's not going to end well for our country either. It can't end well. It, it has never ended well in any other time in history, and it will not end well this time either. So we have to find a way to get past it. Um, and, and that journey to get past it starts with each individual. Um, each individual has to see with what, um, tribal thinking is costing them personally. You know, they don't see that it's, um, you're not costing them a big cost. It's costing them, uh, liberty. It's costing them a uh, peace of mind. It's costing them maybe, you know, um, world peace right now. And um, there's a huge cost to looking through uh, tribal eyes. And seeing people as objects is part of our ego. Everybody's ego will see people as objects. Just, you know, think about you're in a store and you're online at the supermarket, right? And are you seeing the other customers in line as objects, are you silently, if you're in an express line, are you silently, you know, counting up that the other person has 15 items say, instead of 14? <laughs> and are you mentally um, cursing at them? And then are you seeing the cashier as an object? Is she moving fast enough for you or not? Everything is around our ego. Our ego sees through me is first, me first, everything. Um, mm -hmm. So ego always sees, you know, win-lose um, solutions, which often become lose-lose solutions is a problem. <laughs> win-lose could easily yes. become you lose-lose. So we should be striving for a win-win. And that's what the market inherently does, right? Each person in a trade wins, otherwise the trade is not going to happen. So uh, markets are inherently win-win. Yeah, they're not tribal. They can't be right. if they're able to just exist freely. It just means that you can right. trade with any person, whether you right. like that person or not. Right. Uh, right. You want yeah. you want their their money, and they want your goods, or vice versa. So it doesn't really matter if you right, like right. them. It doesn't matter the color of their skin or right. anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And often when people start out having certain um, prejudices, they get into your business, and through contact through that constant contact with all different sorts of people, those prejudices, you know, go away. They see that it was ill-founded. So well, commerce um, destroys the tribe. So that's why tribes um, try and keep people separate. You know, if you're in a country that's subtribal, uh, so for instance, uh, Nigeria has over 300 tribes who would have thought that you know, over 300 yeah. tribes. And 
each tribe does not want you to have contact with the other tribe, to you marry outside your tribe because wow. they're the other. So yes. imagine that, 300 tribes in a single country. Yeah. Well, do you think that that's better or worse than having two tribes in a country? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. uh, tribal eyes, let's just say, are very you know, destructive eyes. Um, tribal eyes um, cause uh, mischief. And how deep the uh, tribal eyes go, the more the mischief there is, the more antithetical it is to freedom, uh, liberty, and love, and, you know, uh, peace of mind, and all these um, good virtues that we all strive for to have a happy life. They yeah. all go away and through peace. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and sorry, uh, you know, yeah. peace in the world as well. You often talk about this. Basically, all of your essays at the end come back to the individual yeah. and the individual choices that you make. And peaceful, uh, a peace of mind can lead to a more peaceful world if you follow that that way of thinking. And yeah. yesterday, when we were on the phone, we were talking about Russia and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And this is a topic that nobody really wants to touch because it's it's so tender. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. we thought that maybe yeah. we would go there uh, as it relates to tribalism, because yeah. we see this now, right? Where yeah. either you have to choose Russia or you have to choose Ukraine. Right. Nobody wants to really go there yeah. and look at the nuance. So. Yeah, I was just, you know, smiling because I yeah, thought you would go there and I was kind of hoping <laughs> that you wouldn't, but uh, I was kind of smiling about that. But no, it is important. And um, it is important and you're absolutely spot on uh, about you don't have to choose sides. You can, your heart could go out to the suffering of both countries. The citizens of both countries have suffered a great deal. They are not free countries, either one. They have suffered under war. Um, they have suffered under you know, communism. They have suffered under starvation. They have suffered under atrocities, both sides against each other. Um, some of which we um, talked about um, yesterday, Stalin's uh, starvation during the 30s. Yes of the peasants in the uh, Ukraine, millions of peasants died, over 5 million starved to death. About 25% of the peasantry died in horrible conditions. I mean, uh, starvation is a horrible thing. But then World War II, when Hitler invaded, equal atrocities from uh, um, Ukrainians toward Soviets. So. For instance, 200,000, could you imagine this? Uh, uh, 200,000 Soviet army soldiers, uh, Ukrainian ancestry, turned and joined, became auxiliaries for Hitler's troops. And those um, 200,000 Ukrainians, we're not talking about a couple of hundred, without which the mass slaughters of Jews and Soviet POWs could not have happened. So mm. 
They helped the slaughter the Soviet POWs who did not turn. And they also were involved with the mass extermination up to 30,000 at a time in towns as Hitler's troops had gone through. The actual amount of Hitler's troops, the core Hitler's troops who were involved in this was a comparatively small amount that they were backed up yeah. by the 200,000 uh, Ukrainian soldiers who had been freed at a POW camp. So you, both sides have a lot of grievances here. Both sides yes. have a lot of grievances. And it's a yes. part of the world where there's been a great deal of suffering. So, you know, that is not there. It, you know, there shouldn't be anything I've said that um, justifies in any way the invasion. No, there's no um, justification for that. I'm just you know, pointing out some of the history of ill will over here, but I'm not yeah. I'm justifying anything. But it comes back to now our role, you know, our role is to see the others, um, Ukrainians and Soviets, to hope that they both flourish, right? We don't want to see yeah. a, a solution where one side is beaten into the ground and they are yet destroyed because yeah. that's not going to be consistent for harmony and peace and uh, flourishing of other people. So we have to give uh, um, Putin an off-ramp over here. So the same way in the 60s, 62, Kennedy, um, Khrushchev, they both strive to give each other an off-ramp. You know, they didn't want war. They strive to give each other an off-ramp. So Kennedy removed our missiles from other countries, um, Turkey, um, which was a sore subject for um, Khrushchev. So to get the you know missiles out of uh, Cuba, he had to give something up. Um, and... So, you know, um, peace comes when we're in that state of mind. So now our job is not to be statespeople over here. Our job is not to come up with any type of uh, solution for this very thorny problem. But our job is to stop cheerleading for war, right? Our job yes. as people is to stop cheerleading for war. You know, I get Putin, smash that son of a gun. Well... That's not consistent with peace because there, that win-lose answer that so many people want could easily become lose-lose where the whole world loses, right? So right. it's That's a horrible such a great attitude. Point. Yeah. And, and, you know, it comes back as well to what you're saying with tribalism is always seeing others as objects. And I, f I, I sense that a lot of people who are looking at this conflict on either side, that's what they're doing, is they're saying, oh, well, you know, we want uh, Ukraine to win. Go Ukraine. Go Zelensky. You know, they're kind of like deifying the leaders, uh, mm -hmm. making either way, you know, mm -hmm. um, whoever they mm -hmm. choose to deify, mm -hmm. either Putin right. or Zelensky. And then all of the people, all of the casualties, all of the people who are involved in this, the regular people like you and I, mm -hmm. they are treating as objects to those ends. They're, they're mm -hmm. not, they're looking at this like Sim City. 
Like, because yeah. it's so far away, you know, it's Eastern Europe, uh, it's Russia, it's across the world. So we don't have to deal with that. Like, we are not living with this kind of situation. So mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. perhaps is it true that the further removed, uh, the easier it is to objectify? Yeah, that may be true. If you're not in contact with somebody, it's easier to treat them as objects. But as treating them as objects, you're treating yourself as objects. Since you brought up um, games, uh, video games, you know, as you know, in those games, there are characters who are programmed who don't play NPC characters, right? Mm -hmm. So by objectifying others, we become NPCs ourselves. <laughs> you know, we're mm. non-playing characters too, because we're just coming yes. out of ego scripts in our own mind, just knee-jerk ego scripts. And so there's no freedom in that to be an NPC, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound no. like it to me. It doesn't no. sound like a thinking, a thinking uh, uh, being. It sounds like somebody who's just kind of there, you know, who's just existing and, and not really doing much thinking yeah. or feeling. Right. The, um, all the great thinkers throughout the eons have always, you know, uh, pointed to an unprovable axiom. I'll admit it's unprovable, but uh, quantum physics is you know, pointing us the same way now, that there's an interconnected whole that is not visible to our senses. Okay. There's the underlying fabric is interconnected. Okay. Now, that's an unprovable axiom, ultimately, although, as I said, um, physics is now starting to point us in the same way. But philosophers for the eons, long before physics came along, um, that is, a quantum physics came along, were um, pointing us the same way. And, but to our senses, it seems that's totally nuts. How could everything be, you know, connected? There's a separate chair. Um, you're over there. I'm over here. Um, Soviets are over there. Um, Ukrainians are over there. Um, you know, Russians, I should say, um, are over there. And it seems like there's a separate, 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 separate. And we, through ego eyes, NPC eyes, through our programming, think about beating those other objects, beating those other objects. But what if there is really, truly interconnectedness, then we're actually beating ourselves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you wrote about this. Yes, oh, you wrote okay. about this in one of your essays. Yeah, you talked about an Albert Einstein uh, quote. Yeah. Yeah. where he talks about that interconnectedness. So yeah. uh, everything yeah. that we do, it, it yeah. ripples out. And so, yeah. and it makes sense. I mean, if if you have these, uh, these thoughts, these warmongering thoughts, and each individual mm -hmm. has that, everybody mm -hmm. who's saying, Mm -hmm. who's saying, mm -hmm. we're, we're standing for Ukraine, mm -hmm. we're standing with democracy, mm -hmm. but what they actually want is war, yeah. and the same on the other side, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. if people are thinking that way as well, uh, well, we need to smash Ukraine, and et cetera. Well, yeah. what's happening there, right, is that you have these warmongering thoughts, mm -hmm. and again, each individual mm -hmm. makes up the society. And right. as you always point out, 
the individuals choose their leaders.、Mm -hmm. So the leaders、yeah. are the ones who are going to call the shots. And if you have a bunch of warmongering people、yeah. who think that they're disconnected,、yeah. but they want that,、mm -hmm. then their leaders are going to choose those those、uh, results. Yeah,、right? absolutely. We're not a victim of the、uh, leadership that we see. These、um, totalitarian countries that have horrific leaders or have had horrific leaders. There was a consciousness of the country that called forth. There was these you know, people. You couldn't have had them, as、um, you know. Fonda saying, if Stalin or Hitler had been born in. Some other country, the、uh, United States, for instance, at the same era, Stalin could have been a bum on the subway, just muttering, you know, because there would have been no、uh, demand for his services. He'd have gotten nowhere.、Mm -hmm. So,、um, it's our consciousness that calls forth the, and、um, so sadly,、um, consciousness. You now, it's a vague. You know, concept to because it all is all individual, but the individual、um, choices that all of us make、um, to be、uh, warmongering in our own mind get somehow aggregated up, and、yeah. that calls forth the your pitiful、uh, choices right now. Obviously, Biden isn't even calling the shots. But you can't even imagine, right? It's beyond comprehension, the way that Kennedy and、uh, Khrushchev solved the problem. You can't even imagine Biden and Putin、um, solving these problems in the same way. You can't even imagine it, because、no. you know, because of the fact they're not statespeople at all. So. So, and and actually, I don't know if you saw that clip of Biden in February. This showed on Fox News, and it showed all over Twitter how Biden had said, you know,、uh, if Russia invades, some a reporter asked, if Russia invades Ukraine, what are you going to do, right? right. And he、yeah. spoke about the Nord Stream pipeline, right, right, and right. indicated, right, that、yeah. that it would.、Mm -hmm. They would、mm -hmm. take care of it,、mm -hmm. and then, of course, this pipeline has been blown up. And some people again think that it could have been the part of the U.S.、Mm -hmm. Some people think it could have been self sabotage、uh, by Russia, or you know. And again, we move towards that tribal thinking where you have to automatically decide this is what happened and this is who's responsible, and I won't accept any other evidence that might show、no. me the truth. Right. Let's right. just choose a side and or, or remain with the side that we're already on. Right. And then you're not able to talk about it either way. Right. Unfortunately, you're not able to talk about it. And that、uh, warmongering in our minds is an attitude of mind that colors our whole life. It it, it can't help but color our own our our whole life because the attitude of mind stays in our own mind. Um. It doesn't matter how many times you call、uh, Putin a terrible person, and he may be a, a terrible person. But that harshness in your mind, it stays in your own mind. You know the whole、um, theory about anger can be, you know, released by pounding pillows or expressing it has been shown in. Over and over again, and psychological experiments to be utterly false. The more anger that you express, the more anger you get.
it it does not yeah. get released. It becomes that's good an, to know. I I didn't know that that had been uh, that that had been disproven or yeah. So that's good to know, actually. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, because you know, you think like a, this verbal ventilation will help, uh, but but you know, you just end up more more uh, kind of wound up and more angry at the end, right? Yeah, it's an attitude of mind that stems from the fact that you're seeing somebody else as an object who has gotten in your way and that you somehow have to get what you want to cast them aside. Now, that doesn't mean there are not problems in the world that have to be dealt with. That is not to say that's not the case, obviously. But how are you seeing the problem? If you're seeing the problem that you're dealing with somebody else who you know has their own wants and needs to, it's easy to have a calm conversation about it. I'm talking about in your own life, but but those type of attitudes, how you deal with your own life, you know, build up to how you see the world, right? Yes. Um, if you can't um, live this way in your own life, you're not going to be able to live this way in the supermarket, for instance. I just gave a simple example about you being in the uh, supermarket and not being able to see other people as fully uh, human. You're just seeing them as objects. And and it gets so it becomes a way people live their whole life. They other people are irrelevant in their way or for them. <laughs> you know, that's how people get yeah. evaluated. Uh, they put it they get put into three categories and and you never really are touched by the other person, right? You're never touched by the essence of the other person. And, you know, that's why seemingly we see in society that the marriages sometimes um, just split up so quickly and your people don't understand how could that have happened. Well, it happened because the other, the other your person was seen as an object, and as soon as the other person stopped giving them what they wanted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes. So, boom, it's over, right? I never knew yes. that person. Oh, they were really a terrible person, and I never knew that. You know, that's the way people talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it was all a deal, right? So there was no real love. The essence of love is to be able to see the inner part of each person, right? To see that essence of a person and to, you know, and, and to go beyond the surface. And so... What passes for love these days is deals, right? Uh, uh, you give me this, I'll give you this. And as if each person keeps up the deal, it's a good marriage. And as soon as you stop giving me the thing I want, right, boom, yeah. it's a bad yeah. stuff. So it even comes into that. You could see that in play too. You know, can you see the uh, humanity in your partner? really yes. see the humanity in the, in your partner. Yeah. So it happens across all kinds of different levels. And then, right. you know, I, I was thinking uh, while you were giving this example and a little bit before that, a thought started getting nurtured in my mind, which was coming back to the founding principles of the United States and how those, I guess, were uh, 
ideas that were based upon enlightenment thinkers, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I've read about enlightenment thinkers was that um, there was a morality that that was higher than tribalism, yes. that differentiated, that that changed man from being more of a tribal creature as it was for so long uh, to adhering to these different moral principles. And so do you think that maybe the fact that the U.S. and other Western countries are returning to a tribal state, like they're getting pulled back into that kind of baseline way of thinking, uh, could that be because they've they've lost some some sense of that enlightenment thought? Yeah, well, for sure. These great ideas of humanity are no longer taught in school anymore or you know, or they're not taught as often as they were. And of course, each each um, generation of um, children who goes through the school system, they become further and further, you know, removed from these, you know, great ideas. Um, who is who is still studying? Who's you're reading in school and colleges? Um, John Locke anymore? Uh, very few. Yeah. will ever open up anything by you know John Locke, which was a essential part of the founding of America. Um, yes. And Cicero, the you know, founders were influenced by Cicero, and um, Cicero was influenced by the Stoic you know philosophers, and um, there's a um, great chain of uh, great ideas. And of course, the Stoic philosophers um, saw this interconnectedness. Now they were in an era where there was still uh, slavery, and still, but they um, knew what the essential fabric was: this interconnectedness. And they, you know, remind themselves to not get um, tricked by appearances that things seem to be separate. <clears throat> So do you think that then maybe maybe it wasn't quite right what I was saying in that you know humans were were tribal before and then they they came upon this enlightenment period where they um valued this morality and these ideas there were always those those kinds of thinkers that were less tribal and maybe it does have to do with that interconnectedness and mm -hmm. um seeking yeah. virtue so so maybe it's just always been a minority way of thinking. Is that possible? I and, think you're and that right. Really, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Go no, ahead. Go I, ahead. No, uh, I think you're right that it's always been, you know, minority, um, that people, you know, tend to sadly function on their egoic, you know, level. And, um, and sometimes, you know, people start to change when they get some hard knocks. You know, um, yeah. life will you teach us, and some people, and other people, the vast you know majority probably stubbornly don't change at all. They stick to their uh, self concept that their ego has formed, and they uh, look for confirming stories to uh, reinforce that uh, narrative that they are telling themselves, and. They don't have a very happy life. We're you're meant to evolve as your people, and we're meant to evolve as you know societies to 
see that underlying interconnectedness, to see that other people are not objects. The more we see that other people are not objects, the more um, virtuous the society becomes, the more open we are to uh, liberty, the ideas of rights for everybody. Um, that's a liberty at, at the essence of, you know, the whole idea of self-ownership. And the more open we all become to that, that so, um, but that takes an internal um, journey also. Uh, it takes that internal, uh, that sadly, you may be right, that there aren't enough people who are open to going on that internal, you know, trip towards greater freedom, which starts yes. inside of them and then uh, migrates out. So people become, I had an essay about habits in the past month where you know, we get bound up in our habits, we get bound up in our habits because of the fact we don't examine the consequences of our habits. We see the short-term gain from our habit, and we don't see the uh, longer-term costs. So we keep you know, barreling ahead with our your personal habits. And there are people who have, have done work, have done fabulous work of getting thousands of people to kind of effortlessly, and then that seems, you know, preposterous, but it's true to drop on longstanding habits by just being able to see the long-term consequences for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then out of the selfish, oh my God, you know, I never really trace through my assumptions. So I've been an NPC, that non-playing character where I'm just mindlessly yes. carrying out my programming because I'm not seeing the consequences. And the more you see the consequences, the more you see what the habit is costing you, um, the more you're able to drop it um, effortlessly because you've seen it for yourself. It's not a willpower then. It doesn't make sense to keep on doing the same thing you've always done because you see, wow, big cost to me. And so we have to be able to do that the same for societal um, we have to be able to see that on that level, our illiberal attitudes are costing society a great deal. And it could get to the point where it can't be you know, reversed. Hayek was clear. The spontaneous order which builds up this um, great uh, society it's not easily, you know, you're not produced, but it's easily torn down. So it's asymmetrical. Everything that's mm. been built can be torn down a lot quicker. So, and yes. when it's, and when it's you're torn down, you don't get an easy um, do over you very quickly. Yeah, that makes so much sense, Barry. And, you know, um, coming back as well to thinking about, uh, these people who are not thinking, you know, who will end up tearing things down uh, quickly. Um, I think that this relates to totalitarianism and kind of Carl Jung, he would call it the mass man. And you were speaking mm -hmm. earlier about the 
aggregate of consciousness, mm -hmm. I guess he would have called that the collective unconscious. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So kind of the collective wanting certain things or or having a, a certain um, knowledge of things collectively. Um, but in what you were saying there, I, I I thought about tribalism and how that relates to totalitarianism. Right, because you have all of these people who are unthinking, uh, who don't look at their habits, who don't challenge their way of thinking, who are seeing things egoically, and then maybe that leaves room for them to have uh, the void that could be fulfilled by self-discovery, yeah. as Carl Jung wrote about mm -hmm. in that book, mm -hmm. uh, The Undiscovered mm -hmm. Self, post-World mm -hmm. War II. He said, mm -hmm. I think this is the solution to totalitarianism is self-discovery. And if more individuals did that, then uh, we would go in a different direction more towards liberty. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I absolutely you know, concur. And I, in the past week, in the past few days, had an essay about Mao's you know, famine, 36 million killed. And mm -hmm. the basis for that was, again, othering, where some um, Chinese saw other as the other. So the peasants were the others, as so often they end up being. And the, it was just horrific stuff I read where you couldn't even, some people wouldn't even treat an ant that way, but they were treating uh, uh, human beings that way. You know, where they were just smashing them the same way they would smash an ant. And as I said, you know, some people will just, you know, gather up the ants and, you know, bring them outside their house instead of smashing them. But, you know, they were just smashing I mean, human beings, uh, um, starving them, uh, uh, murdering them with no, you know, regard. And that reflects a very low level of, you know, your consciousness, a very low level of, you know, you know, consciousness. And uh, um, those things seem to crop up all throughout um, totalitarian, uh, you know, situations. Uh, North Korea now is another good example where it's ongoing. And, um, you know, they see their uh, leadership as gods, which is Hard to believe, but that's the consciousness. Now, some people would say it's come from your know, propaganda, and it has come in part through you know propaganda. But it's also come. You had to be susceptible to that your know, propaganda. If you think about what um, you were saying earlier about the uh, collective unconsciousness, well, that's going to you know create the background for herding, um, human beings herd, right? That's been, you know, studied and that's been seen to be true where herding creatures, we don't like to go against a herd. And this underlying background of our beliefs, right, is creating the herd, you know, mentality, right? So... Yes. Yes, as each of us changes, that herd, you know, mentality starts to change. So you don't even have to use a Young's terms, but you could think about the underlying background that's always there, the herd that drives your behavior. 
And right now, the herd is is being um, driven towards more and more poles, more and more um, polarization, and around your populist ideas. And yes. each tribe in those um, polarized tribes are happy if their tribe is in power, not so happy if the other tribe is in power. But it's um, history says it's going to keep getting worse. And so in 24 and 28, it's going to keep getting worse. Hard to believe we may look back and think of Biden and Trump as some kind of enlightened people. Only kidding, half mm -hmm. kidding, but mm -hmm. it can get a lot worse. History says it can get a lot worse, right? Yeah. It, as our own consciousness keeps heading south, right? Yeah, well, that's a very good point. Um, I just posted a poll the other day on YouTube. I said, like, have we reached peak insanity? You know, like, <laughs> or, or if so, if so, when do you predict that we will? And yeah. um, mm -hmm. I, I think most people didn't think that we had met peak insanity. And mm -hmm. if if we would be looking at this from uh, 2018, we would say maybe 2020 mm. was mm -hmm. the worst year. Mm -hmm. And then, well, 2021 mm -hmm. was pretty mm -hmm. bad. 2022 mm -hmm. is not getting better. Uh, there could be, there could potentially be a World War III um, yeah. that yeah. we may be on the verge right. of, and some people may think so or not. And I, I pray that, that it isn't uh, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that you're right in a sense that specifically because uh, the herd, for lack of a better mm -hmm. term, and mm -hmm. even people who do think that they are not herd-like, or mm -hmm. even people who are only herd-like a small percentage of the time. Mm -hmm. um, if if they're not thinking about these things and how their thinking mm -hmm. is contributing mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. this uh, to this yeah. movement, and realizing yeah. that there's really a lot wrong that hasn't been resolved, um, mm -hmm. then of course, when I think of history, I look back and say, well, there were these reactionary uh, regimes, right? As I was saying before, you had the Nazis and then you have the Soviets. And so now, as you're saying, there's, like I've been looking at this the last few years as the progressive left has been really authoritarian and illiberal. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. there is that growing force of the, uh, of the right mm -hmm. who are not really centrist mm -hmm. or who are not really conservative anymore either, but who really mm -hmm. want to use the same kind of uh, central planning, essentially, yes. to solve yeah. all the problems. Yeah. Yes, we have not hit bottom by a long shot. And you know why we haven't hit bottom? And this should scare everybody. Our time is very um, limited in order to start to go the other way because it's the big... Um, thing people have to understand. When the economy gets worse, and it is going to get worse, it, it is going to get worse, I'm fairly sure of that. Imagine a stock market downturn of 50%. Just imagine that. Or 70%. It's happened. Or 80%. What do you think the um, level of fear is going to be in society? What do you think if your taxes are going up at the same time, unemployment going up at the same time, inflation, let's say, I mean, all this, you know, this is a possibility. What do you think is the level of fear? 
And since we have been conditioned, the herd has been you know, conditioned to cast blame, the politicians that will be called forth will be politicians who will be casting blame. On both sides, the your politicians will be you know, casting blame. And the populist uh, will uh, rile up the you know, population as an attempt to gain power. And it's, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time because that the stock market being down 50%, I offer no, you know, prediction, but it could happen in 23. It could happen in uh, 24. And, and given the consciousness of the herd right now, what do you think is going to happen? I don't want to find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to find out. That's the point. And there shouldn't be anybody hearing this um, podcast who should be interested in finding out. Our time is yeah. very um, limited to um, turn around this horrible trend right now towards increasing um, tribalism and uh, polarization. Our our time is very you know, limited. We've eaten our seed corn. We've eaten our seed corn of understanding of the principles by which uh, human beings you know, flourish. We've eaten it. It's almost all gone. So what's left? You know, in the past, we've um, you know, gone through trials and uh, tribulations, but there was seed corn of understanding for us to eat, so to speak, proverbially eat, to keep the you know great principles of this country um, comparatively intact and now that we've eaten the seed corn what's left there's no idea that we all share no common ground of a liberty that we all share anymore or it's going down that that buy-in is going down so what's left is for people to exploit the fact that we have no your principles and we're frightened. Well, if we have no principles and we're frightened, wow. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we have that bias where we don't think it could happen to us. But what I'd really like to know and what I'm sure our audience is also wondering is, Barry, how do we fix this? How, what do we do? You know, what, what can we do? What yeah. can you do? What can you tell us that, and give us yeah. the magic answer? <laughs> well, you, you shouldn't ask that question because I could go on for three days about that. <laughs> and I've taught um, two-day workshops on that question. So, um, so it could great. go on and on and on. But but now what's you know bubbling up for me is to ask people to practice in their own you know, daily life, to just practice being kinder in their own daily life. And I'm not so much talking about behavior, because you know, behavior comes from the attitude of mind. You know, the you don't focus on behavior; it will automatically spill out from your. Um, attitude that's in your mind. So by you know, practicing being kinder, I mean your uh, mindset in your mind um, where you're seeing win-win, even in, I'm not just talking about in commerce, right, which is automatic. If you're an honest you're person in commerce, it's automatically win-win. You know, 
I'm talking about bring that same honesty that comes from you know, commerce into your own life where you are stop where you catch yourself, you're more aware, just become more aware once a day where you've treated somebody as an object, where you really didn't give a damn about them. You just cared about getting what you wanted. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you I may have even smiled at them and been nice, but it was only to get what you wanted. Right. So yes. just see it once a day, how you treated somebody as an object and be aware of it. Just be aware. Don't judge yourself for it because there's no change that comes from you know condemning yourself. Be aware and see how it feels to you. See if it feels good to you. I guarantee you, if you look without judgment, just see yourself, just see yourself in the audience See yourself on the stage, you know, as somebody else could see you. Just see yourself on the stage of life. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're bringing a higher awareness into the situation. You've automatically separated yourself from your thinking. Why? Because you're seeing yourself from the audience position. You're seeing yourself from a higher state of mind. All right. You've um, separated yourself from your stream of conscious thinking, which just runs on all day. 50,000 thoughts. All right. You've um, separated yourself. And as you've separated yourself, see how that feels. I'm treating somebody else as an object. And you will see if you're aware it doesn't feel very good. Okay, it doesn't feel good to you. You may have even gotten what you wanted, but it didn't feel good. It actually didn't feel good. So as you become more aware, as I said earlier, those habits automatically fall away. Okay, so as we practice that in our own life, it becomes natural. It becomes more natural to see the virtues of as we aggregate it up to um, freedom, um, liberty, you know, for all it, and to start seeing for win-win answers to, you know, start advocating to give you Putin an off-ramp, for instance, not to smash him, but give him an off-ramp to end this war. All right. So that everybody can stop suffering. It becomes just, um, easier and easier, but start with your own life. Don't start with the external. We always try and fix external problems. We think if I fix the external, I'll be fine internal. But no, it starts with fixing up the internal first. And then as each of us does our inner work, um, things start to you know, magically change on the outside. We yeah. get more... Uh, leaders who are more principled, right? And um, good things happen from that. Uh, I mean, we, uh, we, God does. We are heading in the wrong way, that way, um, towards greater amount of unprincipled people in your politics. So, but be principled in our own lives first. And, you know, it becomes easy if you're just aware of your behavior more. Just observe yourself. As I was saying to you earlier today, sit at the feet of life, right? Um, you don't, right? You don't need a guru or anything like that. Your own life is your teacher. 
All right, your own life is your teacher if you allow it to teach you, right? Yes. Not to condemn yourself, but to be, to be aware, to be more aware. And well, we condemn others when we condemn ourselves. It's it's kind of a, a projection of our shame and blame, right? right? So this yeah. is... Yeah, and um, this actually led me to an example that you wrote in one of your most recent essays. Um, because if what you say is true, that we are going towards the worst and that we're not out of it yet, which I tend to agree on, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can do all of this self-work and mindset shift and create a more compassionate world around us, but maybe it won't reach the herd yet and maybe we'll still have to deal with all of that and maybe there's some historical cycles as well that we're just going through and we have to hold on to that ride but um, the example in your essay that I'm thinking of right now was a, a an officer in the army uh, 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 was it an American officer who was in a prisoner of war camp yeah. and he was yeah. he was told that he would need to make this decision with a gun to his head. Can you recount yeah. that story? Yeah, it's a very interesting story. It was a you know sergeant who was in a camp in 1945. It was near the end of the war, Sergeant Edmonds. And he was um, evangelical um, Christian, um, which was his, you know, worldview. And you don't have to have that, you know, view in order to behave with, you know, virtue. But for him, that helped. So the, you know, commandant of the camp said to him, out of your 1,200 men, all the Jewish soldiers have to come forth. And there were about 200 out of the, you know, 1,200 and um, he told his men, every last one, they, um, you know, his you know, corporals, and they all went through the barracks, and he said, we're all falling out in the morning. We're all falling out. And they all fell out. They all fell out. So the you know, commandant came up and said, they can't all be Jews. Stop this nonsense. And he said, with a gun pointed at his head, all of us are Jews, and you'll have to shoot me, you know, in order to get anything you want. So he said it calmly, with great conviction and calm, and the commandant went storming off. Um, You know, he backed down. um, and, you know, there was a great calm, a great peace in Sergeant Edmonds as he acted out of that space where he saw everybody as, you know, connected. You know, he didn't see Jewish soldiers or not. So, and as I explain in the essay, our ego could have easily have gone the other way. Our ego could have easily have said, well... He's not actually going to harm the Jewish soldiers. He's just um, compiling a census to pass up the, you know, the line. He just has to take a census. He's not going to harm them. And um, sadly, there was another camp at the same time where I think it was, I don't, Camp Orb. It was another, you know, Stalag, where the, you know, commanding officer 
he didn't um, turn in the Jews, but he didn't back them up in the same way. And again, there were about uh, 200 Jews in the camp, and sadly, they were sent to some, you know, concentration camp and died. Um, so, um, but Sergeant Edmonds, um, you know, if he had any egoic thoughts, which he didn't seem to have any egoic thoughts, you know, all of us could have easily have had it. Well, he's not actually going to harm them, and I can't put the other man at risk. It isn't just my life. I'm putting the other man at risk, too, because the commandant may um, lash out and kill us all. So I better, you know, call forth the Jews. And he didn't see it that way. And it came from a deep place where I call that your big love. I, you know, you know call the essay. Uh, I call it big love because it's not individual, you know, romantic love, but it's a love that comes from seeing, you know, connectedness that is there, those invisible threads, right? Those yes. invisible threads which um, unite us all, even though we can't see it. But they're still palpable. They're still palpable. We all feel it when we're in a calm, centered, you know, peace of mind. We see, we feel that loving, you know, connection, you know, between us and our friends, our family, and even strangers. We sometimes have a brief encounters, right? Which could, yes. you know, go on for just a minute, just a very brief encounter. And yet it's an vibrant, enriching encounter. Because it's not coming from our ego. It's not coming to get what we want. It's coming from a you know deeper place. So the more we act out of that place, the more everything else starts to change invisibly, almost magically. So and you're right, these things um, go in cycles. And right now we are heading south in the cycle. There seems to be these um, fractal patterns of human collective emotions uh, that uh, drive the herd. And right now we're being in that fair-driven cycle, which effects impact, you know, financial your markets too and everything else. So it's going to be a rocky ride, but we can uh, mitigate the worst by how we behave in our own lives. Yes. I firmly I th believe that's true. Yes, and the example that you just gave uh, described that exactly, because yeah. uh, this individual had no choice as to his circumstances, right? right? And mm -hmm. he could have just said as well, you know, his ego might have told him, you know, you're just following orders. And this is something right. that we've heard a lot right. um, over the last two and a half years as well when it comes to all of the different kinds of restrictions that have been placed on people's lives illiberally. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've heard that personally many times. You hear people saying it, and it's become a kind of mantra uh, which disconnects people from from their own selves, from their personhood, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. sees others as objects where they can um, dissociate from the way that they're treating them because they're just following orders as well. And we know that this has been um, one of the things that has led to so many atrocities in the past. Mm -hmm. 
And we have seen that happen. I know I've heard countless stories of medical institutions, higher education, where horrible things happen to people. They get fired uh, for speaking out about something or they get fired because they're unvaxxed and and some of their, you know, some of their, you know, you know, you know they get notes from uh, colleagues who, in private, they say, sorry, man, sorry that I couldn't speak up for you, but, yeah. you know, they just allow it to happen, and the vast, you know, majority don't even care. They just put the other person in some, you know, category, and they don't care what happened to them. They say, well, you deserved it. Um because you didn't follow the rules. <laughs> right, and, right. Um, and then even the people who are no better, they don't speak up, they don't challenge it because they don't want the same thing to, you know, same hammer come them. for them. So they just yes. stay silent. And um, yeah, there's, um, there is nobody coming to save us. We have to save ourselves, and we have to save ourselves by that inner work, uh, and there's no time left. There honestly is no time left. If you, after hearing this you know, podcast, can't go about your day and not treat others as objects, you know, not to not take the step of being more conscious about how you're seeing other people, if you can't do that, there is literally no hope for the world. There is the worst outcomes that all of us are f frightened of are going to happen. So that is the step we can take. We can't solve the problems, the other problems of the world. We can't change who's you know, president or who's in Congress overnight. We can't solve the problem of war, but we can solve the problem of war in our own mind, can't we? And we have you know, warring minds when each of us treats people as objects. So we can you know, start there. It is true. Barry, that is so beautifully said and so inspirational. And I do encourage uh, people to read your work at AIER, as well as at Mindset Shifts on Substack. Uh, you post frequently on both and, you know, quite in detail about all of the historical uh, things that we've spoken about today and much more. And always at the end of your essays, you come back to that mindset shift. So mm -hmm. your, uh, your, your Substack is well named because that I think is truly what it's about. And, um, I really think that you have an inspiring message because people want to believe that they can do something to change the world. And in fact, they can, but sometimes they just think that they're going to change it in a different way, yes. right? They want to yeah. go all the way out here. And yeah. who is it? Is it Rumi who says, if you want to see change in the world, start with yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a you know matter of subtracting all the internal barriers, not the external barriers. So that's the good news and the bad news. It's the you know, good news and the bad news is because there is nothing that's stopping you from subtracting the internal barriers, right? There's nothing that's stopping you right now. And yes. darn it, can't I fix the outside instead? Because um, we don't, the price we have to pay is to be open to giving up just a little hunk of our self-concept. Right. And we yes. love our self-concept. 
we want our problems to go away, but keep our self-concept intact, but that's impossible because our self-concept is tied up with the problems. It can't be separated. There's not a a self-concept and then problems. They're both joined. So we have to be able to do open to doing that inner work. Yeah, well, I I really suggest that people um, take this to heart and and do it. I mean, I'm going to practice this every time we speak. I, I I look back inwards even more. I'm somebody who likes to do that kind of thing, but sometimes I forget, you know, and then yeah. I end up externalizing and doing all those kinds of things. Yeah. So it always yeah. inspires me to speak with you yeah. on on a personal level, and I encourage all of our all of our listeners and all of our viewers to do that as well mm. to read your mm. work and uh, to really start exploring this stuff because i think that this is um, the way that you can lead a life of meaning as well even if the yeah. world out there is really difficult yes you're absolutely right and that is a you know great point um, our you know all of us have an out of purpose you know we have jobs and we have you know families and those are very important our out of purpose but there has to be an inner purpose too and that inner purpose is you know growth and our you know capacity to see beyond our ego and it doesn't matter how many times we fall down all of us are going to fall down over and over again but even if one time a day even if one time a day we catch ourselves the value of that the compounding that goes on for that you'll be amazed at the place you'll be in a month or six months from now and so it doesn't matter how many times you fall down you know, be kind for your falling down also. Don't judge yourself. The judging will keep you in place, will stop you from changing. Because the same voice in your head that judges you is the voice that's judging other people, right? So so you can't stop judging other people by judging yourself. That doesn't work either. Right. Yeah. And um, that's that's a tough one to swallow for many people, I think, because yeah, it's yeah. it's easier. You know, if you do if you are the type of person who is interested in doing this kind of work, that's often the one part that can be really difficult and complex to say, oh, well, I have to apply this first to myself and then um, it will help me in extending that outwards. Um, so I guess that this is really part of the way to to insulate from the tribalism and the um, the totalitarianism that can creep up, uh, right, and that already exists in other countries right now. Um, mm-hmm. Barry, this has been lovely. Do you have anything that you would like to add? Any last thoughts on tribalism for our for our listeners? No, I think you gave a great you know summary, and it's always a you know you know pleasure because it's always a learning that goes on through our you know conversation for each other, and hopefully for those people who have given an hour to sit and hear us, it's always a you know great conversation. So you know, thank you very much. Likewise, you're very welcome. I hope to uh, have you on here again very soon. It'd be great to come back again soon. Thanks. But that there's a certain coolness by having this spontaneous you know, conversation as opposed to PowerPoint slides and everything, right? There, yeah. 
Yes, it's it's different, and it can be difficult when you're a writer because you yeah. you can have this way of collecting and organizing your thoughts and and really plotting everything out. And this, as yeah. as I've said before, though, I think yeah. uh, you add a lot of value to people in hearing your thought process as well, and. It's really a pleasure to listen to you as well as to read your work, and you kind of get the, you kind of get to see your thinking here, behind what yeah, goes yeah, into yeah. your essays. So I think yeah, that that's really I, valuable yeah. and helpful yeah, for people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. think the essays, of course, are far more you know formal, and I hope that people who had gone through, who heard us will then go to the essays to get the more formal you know presentation yes. as opposed to the informal you know exactly. all the years i taught i did have powerpoint slides but honestly here's the interesting thing i never knew what was coming up in the deck now that sounds nuts you know but i did create the slides and yes. it was nothing i ever read it was to just to keep me moving in a certain way so right. i'd have a quotation i totally a get it you know, I'd have a, you know, quotation on a page and I'd uh, click the slide and, oh, okay, that's what's next. And I, I never talked about it the same way twice. You know, it was always something new. So I was yeah. always entertained and I, I think the students were entertained because I was entertained always. You know, it was always, you know, fresh for me. I yeah. always was often like amazed at the stuff.